I just want to say thank you, Ben, and to all of our team, our musicians, for leading us in worship and everybody that helps to make it possible, uh, whether it's for folks in the room or folks online. And I echo his invitation to anybody who wants to serve and help be a part of a team to do that. Uh, I've, my name's Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I want to tell you, I was reading an article in the newspaper, not in the newspaper, online, um, but written for a newspaper. Uh, that my fiance Kristen had told me about about shopping malls and sort of what's going on in the shopping mall industry these days, and uh, it has particular it had interest to in me because my background is in real estate finance. That's my undergraduate degree, and before I was a pastor, I worked doing real estate related tax consulting for an accounting firm, which was every bit as exciting as it sounds. Uh, but but stuff like that, I don't know, catches my interest, and and so. The article was talking about how shopping malls are disappearing, essentially. Not, not physically, in every sense, but their usefulness. Uh, and, and it took me back, actually, to my childhood. I remember going to the mall as a kid. I don't know if anybody else uh, has that similar experience or taking your kids to the mall. Uh, I grew up over in Austell, which is sort of a forgotten part of Cobb County between Marietta and Smyrna. And uh, we used to go to Cobb Center which was on Highway 41 in Smyrna. And I remember going as a kid, uh, whether to see Santa or back to school shopping or to, to go to the food court and eat. Like it was, the mall was like the place to go, to hang out with friends or to you'd see people that you knew or just to find what the latest thing was available to buy or to wear. And then I remember going back not long ago and riding down 41 to where... Cobb Center used to be, and seeing how much of it had been bulldozed, like torn down, and, and the rest of it repurposed. And, and then I had the same experience, because I moved in high school to Gainesville, Georgia, and Lakeshore Mall is the mall in Gainesville. And I had the same experience recently when I went to visit my parents, uh, my dad and stepmom in Gainesville, took the grandkids, and we went over by the mall, and actually went in to the mall, which I can't remember the last time I'd been inside a shopping mall, and I couldn't believe how much of it was empty, like how many of the stores were just empty, like covered over, and even like the major anchor spaces, and this article that Kristen had sent me was talking about how that is a trend all over the country. That out of the 1,100 and some odd shopping malls that are in existence right now in the United States, and I'm talking about the big enclosed shopping malls with three or four anchor spaces in it, how one in four of them is, is projected to be closed by next year. And that currently, 750 of those anchor tenant spaces, the ones that used to have the riches in it, or the Belk, or the Macy's, 750 of them are vacant now. But these shopping malls are just drying up. And so now all of these people who've invested money to develop or to maintain the shopping malls are faced with a decision about what to do with these massive facilities as they look around and realize that 
the landscape of retail shopping has changed and in many ways moved online. And then we got generations coming up that are more willing to spend money on an experience than an item. And that kind of stuff is also particularly interesting to me because uh, my, my doctoral research was all about keeping an eye on where we're headed as a culture and as a church. What does the future hold for us? And I look at things like that that are happening with shopping malls that were so much a part of my childhood and my life and, and so much a part of the community where I lived and see them drying up and disappearing. And I wonder, what does that mean for for our culture? What does that mean for society and for how we live and operate with each other? It's a significant change that has sort of just crept up on me. But it's the reality. And, and the same is true in our faith life, that we live through changes, not only in our own personal faith, but in our corporate faith, what it looks like, how we live it out together. And I'm so thankful that there's a place in the scriptures where Jesus addresses it very specifically. And so I want to read that passage of scripture for us this morning. This is from Luke chapter 5. We're going to put it on the screen so you can follow along as I read it out loud. It's Luke 5, chapter, chapter 5, verses 33 through 39. And it's Jesus having a discussion with some of his disciples and other people who were gathered around. This, I love this kind of stuff because it's like we could just be the people who are gathered around listening to what Jesus has to say. And this is what it says. Some people said to Jesus, the disciples of John fast often and pray frequently. The disciples of the Pharisees do the same. But your disciples are always eating and drinking. And Jesus replied, you can't make the wedding guests fast while the groom is with them, can you? The days will come when the groom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. And then he told them a parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment to patch an old garment. Otherwise, the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't match the old garment. And nobody pours new wine into old wineskins. If they did, the new wine would burst the wineskins. The wine would spill and the wineskins would be ruined. Instead, new wine must be put into new wineskins. No one who drinks a well-aged wine wants new wine, but says the well-aged wine is better. In this conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples and with these people who are gathered around him, it makes me think about the shopping malls. Because there were people who were gathered around Jesus who had been watching him and his disciples, watching their ministry. They'd watched John, John the Baptist, in his ministry with his disciples. They'd watched Pharisees and other religious leaders. And they came to Jesus and they said, wait a minute. Now the Pharisees and John and their disciples, they've always operated like this. Fasting and praying. 
This is what we've known. This is how it's been. This is how we've known and practiced our faith and our religion. And here you come, and your disciples, y'all are eating and drinking. What's up with that? How come the way you practice the faith and your disciples practice the faith is so different than the way we're used to? And I gotta be honest, sometimes when I read stories like this and and it reads like people are challenging Jesus, even criticizing him, I don't know that that's what's going on in this particular passage. And, And if you're willing to be a little honest too, isn't it whenever anybody asks you a question, why you're doing what you're doing the way you're doing it, or they say, well, we're used to doing it this way, why are you doing it that way, or I don't like the way you do it because I do it this way, don't we usually receive that as a challenge or a criticism when maybe it is or maybe it isn't? I just wonder if these people who had, who had been faithful religious people who loved God and believed they were loved by God saw something new, something different, And it didn't fit with what they were used to. And they didn't understand. And so they were asking. Why? Why are you doing this this way? I mean, I know some people in my family, I mean, who shopped at the shopping mall. And some of them, and I say, well, you can go to Amazon.com or you can go online and buy that. Why? Why would you do it that way? I'm not going to do it that way. And so it it creates this moment, this tension or this crisis in the faith to say, well, it's been this way before and now it's different. It looks like this. And I don't know what to do with that. And I don't know that we're not at a place like that even today. In our shared faith, in our practice of the faith together, as Christians, as the church, I don't know that we're not living through some similar kind of season where we're looking at how things used to be or how we knew them to be and that had meaning for us. And we're looking at the way things are now and the way things may be in the future. And we find ourselves in that place of going, that doesn't match up. How? Why? Walter Brueggemann, who's a one of my favorite models, he wrote a Lenten devotional called A Way Other Than Our Own. And I feel like he said something in that devotional that connects with what Jesus is saying in the scripture and what we're living through. He says, the crisis in the U.S. church has almost nothing to do with being liberal or conservative. It has everything to do with giving up on the faith and discipline of our Christian baptism and settling for a common, generic U.S. identity that is part patriotism, part consumerism, part violence, and part affluence. Like I get a sense that Brueggemann's putting his finger on something about the way Maybe the church has gotten comfortable functioning. If nowhere else in the U.S. 
Kind of like those people who had gathered around Jesus had gotten comfortable and familiar with the way that they practiced their faith. And here came Jesus with something else. Something new. And they knew it. They knew it was new. They knew it was different. They knew where it was uncomfortable. And so he said, why, why would they fast? They're celebrating. And compared to the guests at a wedding, having a good time. Because there's something happening here to celebrate. And then he told them a parable. Two, kind of, the first one about the garment. He said, no one would cut a patch out of a new garment to mend a hole in an old garment. I mean, he said it would ruin the new garment and it would actually make the hole in the old garment worse because on a very practical level you take that new piece of cloth and sew it into that old piece of cloth and over time, as that new piece of cloth took its shape and its form, it would tear a bigger hole in the old garment. So nobody would take a, cut a piece out of a new garment and sew it into an old garment. And really what Jesus was telling them was, we got a new garment to wear. I have brought to you Something new to clothe yourself with. A new way to see yourself. A new way to identify as a child of God. A new way to live. A new garment to wear. To be clothed in righteousness. And he said, likewise, nobody's going to Put new wine in an old wineskin. I, I don't want to get into wine and the pandemic. And <laughs> Right, that was a very telling laugh. I appreciate you joining me here. But Jesus said, that's not something we do. Why? Because if you take the new wine and put it in the old wineskin as the new wine ferments, and expands, it'll burst that old wineskin. You put, you put new wine in a new wineskin. And he was telling those parables to give them an analogy to the faith that comes with Jesus Christ that doesn't fit in the old paradigm. That wasn't just for them in that moment. I do think that this teaching of Jesus, this parable, has meaning for us today. In a sense, it's a cautionary tale. Not to codify and calcify our faith into a prescribed set of rules and traditions that won't be able to be sewn together with the new thing that God is always doing. That won't be able to contain the new life that God has always given. It's a cautionary 
Not to carry the mantra, well, it worked yesterday, or it worked pre-pandemic, or it worked in my parents' generation. Because we used to buy our garments in the shopping mall. And we used to go to the shopping mall to eat and drink. But Jesus was lifting their eyes and is lifting our eyes to something more, to something higher, to something deeper than our method, than our particular practices, than even our places. And he's lifting our eyes to him. The new wine, the new life, the new power, the new freedom. Thank God that Jesus brings freedom so, so big that it doesn't fit in our old wineskins. We can't come up with a skin big enough to hold all that Jesus does and says to us and for us to transform us and to transform the world. And in this moment, in this season, Jesus is drawing our eyes to him, to the wine, not to the wine skin. In a book called The Art of Preaching, William Martin says, without awe, people turn to doctrine. Without reverence, people turn to rules. And the temptation is there to cling to our wineskins of doctrine and rules. And unfortunately, that cautionary tale from Jesus says the temptation is there to do that to the exclusion of receiving the new garment to wear, to receiving the new wine to drink that gives life. But not only is it a cautionary tale, it's also an encouraging tale for today. Jesus is saying, here's new garments to put on. Here's new wine to drink. Yes, you used to look like this. You used to act like this. You used to practice this way. Here's something new. Here's a new season, a new opportunity. Here's a new future to envision together with him. I mean, this very worship service is an example of something this church has done to, put new, to create a new opportunity and a new way for people to worship that's different than what we will do in here at 11. It's not to say that one is better or worse than the other. It's a new opportunity to receive the good wine, the new wine of Jesus in a new way. Hence the need and opportunity for people to help participate and make it happen. That article that I was reading about the shopping malls, it talked about examples of where those malls are being repurposed into high schools. I mean, right now, vaccination sites. I had somebody tell me that they went to a, a strip mall over here that used to have an anchor tenant that went dark and now it's be, the site's being used to give vaccination shots. Some of them are being repurposed to provide housing for people who need it. I 
Jesus is inviting us to that same kind of vision and excitement for our future and faith together. Even specifically here at Shambly Methodist. As a church. As we go forward with God together. It makes me wonder, what will the church of the future look like? What will this church look like? How will we function? What will we wear? What will we be putting our expressions of the new wine in? Are we so set on our old garments and old wineskins that we'll not be able to receive the new thing that God is doing? Are we willing to try on something new? To look different. To act different. For the sake of God's kingdom. If you're a regular part of the life of this church, a member or a tender, or you've participated in things, you're going to be receiving communication from the church over the month of October as the leadership looks forward to 2022. And how are we going to be in ministry together? What are we going to do? What are the, what are the garments that we're going to put on? What are the wineskins that we're going to use? And specifically, how are we going to plan for that and budget for that for the new year? So what you're going to be getting is a series of communications all under the banner, forward with God together. And I've asked a member of this church to come and take a minute with us just to tell us a little bit about what that means, what it means for him, and what we can expect as we try to prepare to budget for the coming year. And and we invite people to share what you're going to give to be a part of that work. Chip, would you come up as he's coming? I'll tell you, Chip's a member of this church. I mean, he's... A spouse, a father, he works a job. He doesn't get paid a nickel here to do what he's doing. But he does it because he cares about this church and he cares about how we're going to be in ministry together. So Chip, would you let him know what's coming? I will. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. You know, talking about money is hard, right? Talking about giving our money to the church can be even harder. I know it's y'all's favorite time of the year, so congratulations. You're welcome. I'm here. You know, it's hard because we all come together from a different place. Right? Some of us are out there working every day, high earners job, you know, but, but we spend a lot of money, right? And so we still don't feel like we have a lot to give. Others come from a fixed income, but we're raised knowing the first 10% goes to the church, the rest I'll live off of. We all come together in a different way. You know, when we think about the uncertainties of the church, you know, to me this year it's all about really a reflection on us together, right? One common church serving one common God one common purpose for this community. So, you know, last year we tried to amp it up. We did a fancy assessment. We had our statistics. I mean, it was pretty cool. But this year I think it's back to the basics, right? We got to look ahead to the future. So for me, it's really about being prayer for the church. Think about all the uncertainty, all the change. You talk about malls. I have a sad story to share with you guys. I heard this week that the pink pig is no longer. So for all those that grew up in this area, I mean, that was the tenant of the Lenox Mall Macy's, and it's gone. It's not coming back. So just be in prayer for the church, the change we've got, the direction we have to go. There's a blessing in all this, and that is this community, this congregation, it comes together in such a beautiful way, right? So if you pray about your purpose here, what you love about this church, what you like to see your money go to, I think you'll find a great way to pledge what you can, give what you can, live with 
giving to the church first, live inside the excess yourself, it'll come together in a great way. We don't need to talk about what the average giving is and going above or giving more. I think it'll all come together because there's a blessing in all of it, and that's the consistency of this membership and how well we've performed together. And so please be in prayer about what you're going to see. There's emails that are going to be going out over the month. The easiest way to pledge will be online through the online pledge card. We will have physical cards. They're not available yet, but they should be here at the church very soon. Just be in prayer. Make sure you talk to people about it. Let's get the word out so people know that this is the time. The best thing for us is to spread the word so that people know that now's the time to give our commitments, our pledges, so we can pull it all together and we'll build a great budget, operating budget, and plan for the future together. Uh, But in advance, thank you. And if you have any questions, please reach out to me. Thank you, Chip. And it's just a practical step. Everybody does it. You do it in your life, in your home. We do it in the church. Every organization does it where you try to plan and prepare and budget. So I I hope that you'll consider where you fit in that and how you would be willing to participate. Uh, And and thank you, Chip, for all the work that you've done to get us going for this this year. I want to ask before we sing one more song if we could take a moment of prayer together. And so whatever that looks like for you to pray, just spend a moment with God. And I want to name the exciting future that is ahead of us together. That God has created us for. That Jesus has redeemed us for. Set us free for. And that God's Holy Spirit empowers us, equips us, guides us into You could think about those shopping malls and and how bleak that may seem, depressing or uncertain. And, And maybe some of that's true. And some of that's true in life. We reach moments and seasons that seem bleak or uncertain. Thank God we don't go there alone. Thank God we're not dependent on an economy or a dollar. But we're dependent on Jesus who said to his disciples, who said to all of those people gathered around him, who's saying to you and me today, I'm giving you new wine. I'm filling your life. I'm filling the world with opportunity and possibility to live life to the fullest, to be who you were created to be. Oh God, thank you for that high calling, for that blessing. God, thank you for all that you were laying in front of us that we can do and be as members of your kingdom for the new things that we can envision about how your kingdom will come in Shambly and beyond. And God, we say together that as we go into that future, as we go forward with you together, that we trust you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.